Act One of Cleone, a Tragedy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joshua Seeger in Chicago. Cleone, a Tragedy by Robert Dodsley. Act One. Prologue by William Melmoth, Esquire. "'Twas once the mode in glorious war to wage, With each bold bard that durst attempt the stage, And prologues were but preludes to engage. Then mourned the muse, not storied woes alone, Condemned to weep with tears unfeigned her own. Past are those hostile days, And wits no more one undistinguished fate with fools deplore. No more the muse laments her long-felt wrongs From the rude license of tumultuous tongues. In peace each bard prefers his doubtful claim, And, as he merits, meets, or misses, fame. Twas thus in Greece, when Greece fair science blessed, And heaven-born arts their chosen land possessed. The assembled people sate with decent pride, Patient to hear, and skilful to decide, less forward far to censure than to praise, unwillingly refused the rival bays. Yes, they whom candor and true taste inspire, blame not with half the passion they admire, each little blemish with regret descry, but mark the beauties with a raptured eye. Yet modest fears invade our author's breast, With Attic lore, or Latian, all unblest, Denied by fate through classic fields to stray, Where bloom those wreaths which never know decay, Where arts new force from kindred arts acquire, And poets catch from poets genial fire. Not thus he boasts the breast humane to prove, And touch those springs which generous passions move to melt the soul by scenes of fabled woe and bid the tear for fancied sorrows flow far humbler paths he treads in quest of fame and trusts to nature what from nature came dramatis personae siffroy a general officer beaufort senior father of cleone beaufort junior her brother Paulet, the friend of Siffroy, Glanville, a near relation, Rogozin, a servant corrupted by Glanville, Cleone, the wife of Siffroy, Isabella, her companion, a child about five years old, officers of justice, servants, etc. Scene, Siffroy's house and an adjoining wood, time, that of the action. Cleone, Act One, Scene One, A Room in Siffroy's House. Enter Glanville and Isabella. Glanville, what means this diffidence, this idle fear? Have I not given thee proof my heart is thine? Proof that I mean to sanctify our joys by sacred wedlock? Why then doubt my truth? Why hesitate? Why tremble thus to join in deeds which justice and my love to thee alone inspire? If we are one, our hopes, our views, our interests ought to be the same. And canst thou tamely see this proud Siffroy, triumphant lord it o'er my baffled rights? 
those late acquired domains by partial hand consigned to him in equity are mine isabella the story oft i've heard yet sure Sefroy hath every legal title to that wealth by will bequeathed and childless should he die the whole were thine wait then till time glanville art thou my isabella thou an advocate for him whose hand with felon arts withholds those treasures which i covet but for thee where is thy plighted faith thy vows thy truth isabella forbear reproach o glanville love to thee hath robbed me of my truth seduced me on from step to step till virtue quite forsook me false if i am tis to myself not thee Thou hast my heart, and thou shalt guide my will, obedient to thy wishes. Glanville. Hear me, then. This cursed Sephroy stands in my fortune's way. I must remove him. Well I know his weakness, his fiery temper favors my design, and aids the plot that works his own undoing. Yet whilst far off removed, he leads our troops— the nation's doughty chief, he stands secure, beyond the reach of my avenging hand. But this will force him home. I have conveyed by Ragozin his servant, whom I sent on other business, letters which disclose his wife's amour with Paulet. Isabella. Ah, though me thou hast convinced, and I believe her false, think'st thou Sifroy will credit the report? Will not remembrance of her seeming truth her artful modesty and acted fondness secure the easy confidence of love? Glanville. I know it ought not. Weak must be the man who builds his hopes on such deceitful ground. Paulette is young, not destitute of passion. Her husband absent, they are off together. Then she hath charms to warm the coldest breast, melt the most rigid virtue into love, and tempt the firmest friendship to be frail. All this I've urged, joined with such circumstance, such strong presumptive proof as cannot fail to shake the firm foundations of his trust. This once accomplished, his own violence and heated rage will urge him to commit some desperate act and plunge him into ruin. Isabella. But grant thou shouldst succeed. What will ensue? Suppose him dead. Doth he not leave an heir, an infant son, that will prevent thy claim? Glanville. That bar were easily removed. But soft, who's here? Tis Ragozin returned. Enter Ragozin. Scene two. Glanville, Ragozin, and Isabella. Glanville. What news, dear Ragozin? How did Sefroy receive my letters? Speak, my vast impatience would know all at once. What does his rage intend? Ragozin. All you could wish. A whirlwind is but weak to the wild storm that agitates his breast. At first, indeed, he doubted. Swore twas false. Impossible. But as he read, his looks grew fierce. Pale horror trembled on his cheek. Oh, she is vile. It must, it must be so. Glanville is just, is good, and scorns to wrong her. I know his friendship know his honest heart then falling sobbed in speechless agony glanville good very good i knew twould gall proceed Ragozin. 
His smothered grief at length burst forth in rage. He started from the floor. He drew his sword, and fixing it with violence in my grasp, Plunge this, he cried. Oh, plunge it in the heart of that vile traitor. Paul it. Yet forbear. That exquisite revenge my own right hand demands, nor will I give it to another. This said, pushed on by rage, he to her sire dispatched a letter, opening to him all her crime and his dishonor. This to you. Gives a letter. Glanville. How eagerly he runs into the toils which I have planted for his own destruction. Dear Ragozin, success shall double all my promises, and now we are embarked. We must proceed, whatever storms arise. Isabella. But read the letter. Glanville opens the letter and reads. Though thou hast stabbed me to the heart, I cannot but thank thy goodness for the tender regard thou hast shown to my honor. The traitor Paulet shall die by my own hand. That righteous vengeance must be mine. Meantime, forbid the villain's entrance to my house. As to her who was once my wife, let her go to her father's to whom I have written, leaving it to him to vindicate her virtue, or conceal her shame. I am in too much confusion to add more. Sifroy. This is enough, by heaven! I sought no more. It is the point at which my wish is aimed. The death of Paulet must include his own. Justice will take that life my injuries seek, nor shall suspicion cast one glance on me. But does he purpose soon to leave the army, or let his vengeance sleep? Rigozin. Oh, wild he raves! That honor should forbid to quit his charge. Yet what resolves the tumult in his breast may urge is hard to say. Glanville. We must prepare for his arrival. Well I know his rage will burst all bounds of prudence. Thou, my friend, for from the hour which shall complete our business thy servitude shall cease, be diligent to watch all accidents, and well improve whatever chance may rise. Rigozin. Trust to my care. Exit Rigozin. Glanville. Now, Isabella, now the important hour to prove my truth arises to my wish. No longer shalt thou live the humble friend of this Cleone, but her equal-born shalt rise by me to grace an equal sphere. Isabella. Her equal-born I am, nor can my heart a keener pang than base dependence feel. Yet, weak by nature, and in fear for thee, I tremble for the event. O oh, shouldst thou fail? Glanville. To me, my Isabella, trust the proof of her concealed amour. I know full well her modesty is mere disguise assumed to cheat the world. But it deceives not me. I shall unveil her latent wickedness, and on her midnight revels pour the day. Isabella. Scarce can my heart give credit. Glanville. Thou, alas, art blinded by the semblance she displays of truth and innocence. But I explore her inmost soul, and in her secret thoughts read wantonness. Believe me, this gay youth, masked in the guise of friendship to Sifroy, is her vile paramour. But I forget. Tell Rogozin, my love, to wait without. This business asks dispatch, and I may want his useful aid. Isabella. I go, but still my heart beats anxious, lest the truth of thy suspicions should fail of proof. Exit Isabella. Glanville. Fear nothing, I am secure. Fond, easy fool, 
whom for my use alone not pleasure I've ensnared. Thou little dream'st that fired with fair Cleone's heaven of charms, I burn for their enjoyment. There, there too did this Sifroy, this happy-hated rival, defeat the first warm hopes that fired my bosom. I marked her beauties rising in their bloom, and purposed for myself the ripening sweetness. But ere my hand could reach the tempting fruit, "'twas ravished from its eager grasp. "'And, oh, would fate at last permit me to prevail, "'vengeance were satisfied. "'I will attend her, and urge my suit, "'though oft repulsed, once more. "'If she's obdurate still, "'my slighted love converts to hatred. "'I will then exert the power "'which her deluded lord hath given, "'drive her this instant hence, "'and in her flight, to glut my great revenge, she too shall fall. Exit Glanville. Scene three. Changes to another room. Enter Cleone and a servant. Cleone. Paulet, my husband's friend, give him admittance. His friendship sympathizes with my love, cheers me by talking of my absent lord, and soothes my heart with hopes of his return. Enter Paulet. Paulet. Still do these lowering clouds of sorrow shade Cleone's brow, and sadden all her hours? Cleone. Ah, Paulet, have I not just cause to mourn? Three tedious years have passed since these sad eyes beheld my dear Sifroy, and the stern brow of horrid war still frowns upon my hopes. Paulet. The fate of war tis true hath long detained my noble friend from your fond arms and mine but his redoubted sword by this last stroke must soon reduce the foe to sue for peace the gallant chief who led the barbarous host and was himself their soul is fallen in battle slain by the valiant hand of your Sifroy. cleone to me alas his courage seems no virtue dead to all joy but what his safety gives to every hope but that of his return i dread the danger which his valour seeks and tremble at his glory o oh, good heaven restore him soon to these unhappy arms or much i fear they'll never more enfold him paulet what means cleone no new danger can affright you for my friend I fear your breast beats with the dread of some impending ill threatening yourself. Now, by the love that binds my heart to your Sifroy, let me entreat, if my assistance can avail you aught, that, to the utmost hazard of my life, you will command my service. Cleone. Kind heaven, I thank thee. My Sifroy hath yet one faithful friend. O oh, Paulet! But to thee, the many virtues that adorn the mind of my loved lord, and made me once so blessed, t'were needless to display. In mine alone his happiness was placed. No grief, no care came ever near my bosom, not a pain but what his tenderness partaking soothed. All day with fondness would he gaze upon me, and to my listening heart repeat such things as only love like his knew how to feel. O oh, my Sifroy, when, when wilt thou return? Alas, thou knowest not to what bold attempts thy unsuspecting virtue has betrayed me. Paulet, what danger thus alarms Cleone's fear? 
Cleon. I am ashamed to think and blush to say that in my husband's absence this poor form, these eyes, or any feature should retain the power to please. But Glanville, will you know? Paulet. Sure you suspect not him of base designs? He wears the semblance of much worth and honor. Cleon. So to the eye the speckled serpent wears a shining beauteous form. But deep within foul stings and deadly poisons lurk unseen. O oh, Paulet, this smooth serpent hath so crept into the bosom of Sifroi, so wound himself about my love's unguarded heart, that he believes him harmless as a dove. Paulet. Good heaven! If thou abhorrest deceit, why suffer a villain's face to wear the look of virtue? Who would have thought his loose desires had flown so high a pitch? Have you imparted aught of his attempts to Isabella? Cleone. No. Paulet. I had suspicion his designs were there. Cleone. I've thought so too. Nay, have some cause to fear that she's his wife. This hath restrained my tongue. Paulet. "'Tis well if she deserve your tenderness. "'But say, Cleone, let me know the means "'which this most impious man, this trusted friend, "'hath taken to betray, Cleone. "'I hear his voice, and this way he directs his hated steps. "'Retire into that room. "'He seldom fails to hint his bold desires. "'Yourself, perhaps, may thence detect him, "'and by open shame deter him from persisting.' Paulet goes into the room.' Enter Glanville. Glanville. I greet you, lady, with important news. The Saracens are beaten. Yet Sifroi, coldly neglectful of your blooming charms, pursues a remnant of the flying foe to strong Avignon's walls, where sheltered safe the hardy troops may bear a tedious siege. Why then, Cleone, should you still resist the soft entreaties of my warm desire? Methinks the man but ill deserves your truth, who leaves the sweet Elysium of your arms to tread the dangerous fields of horrid war. Cleone. And what, O Glanville, what dost thou deserve? Thou, who with treachery repaced the trust of sacred friendship? Thou, who but to quench a loose desire, a lawless passion's rage, Wouldst banish truth and honor from thy breast? Glanville. Honor! What's honor? A vain phantom raised, to fright the weak from tasting those delights which nature's voice, that law supreme, allows. Be wise and laugh at all its idle threats. Besides, with me your fame would be secure. Discretion guards my name from censure's tongue. Cleone. And dost thou call hypocrisy discretion? Sayst thou that vice is wisdom? Glanville, hear me. With thee, thou sayest, my fame would be secure, unsullied by the world? It might. Yet no, though hid beneath the centre of the earth, removed from envy's eye and slander's tongue, nay, from the view of heaven itself concealed, still would I shun the very thought of guilt nor wound my secret conscience with reproach. Glanville. Romantic all! Come, come! Why were you formed so tempting fair? Why graced with every charm, with eyes that languish, limbs that move with grace? 
Why were these beauties given you but to soothe the sweet, the strong sensations they excite? Why were you made so beauteous, yet so coy? Offers to embrace her. She puts him by with disdain. Cleone. Base hypocrite! Why rather wert thou suffered beneath fair virtue's mean to hide a heart so vile? Why this good heaven? But dost thou think thy foul devices shall be still concealed? Sifroy shall know thee. Thy detested crime shall stand revealed in all its horrid form. Glanville. Is love a crime? Oh, ask your feeling heart. Paulet bursts from the room. Paulet. Villain, desist! Glanville. Ha! Paulet here. Tis well. He is her minion then. Tis as I guessed. My letters to Sifroy traduced them not. Paulet. Vile hypocrite! What lurks such warm desires beneath that sober mask of sanctity? Is this the firm, undoubted honesty in which Sifroy, confiding, sleeps secure? Glanville. And is it fit that thou shouldst lecture vice? Thou who, even here, this moment, wert concealed, the favorite object of lewd privacy? Shouldst thou declaim against the rich repast? Thy gluttonous appetite alone enjoys to all the heights of luxury? Sweet lady, who now shall stand revealed before Sifroy? But I have long, long known your intercourse, nor wanted clearer proof to speak your crimes. Glanville is going. Cleone. Oh, heaven and earth! Paulet. Stay, monster! By high heaven, thy life shall answer this vile calumny. Glanville. Dream not, I fear. Thy threatening I despise. Soon I'll return to thine and her confusion. Exit Glanville. Cleone. What have I done? Unhappy rash concealment! This may, alas, give color to his charge. Paulet. He dares not wrong you with the least surmise, the slightest imputation on your fame, nor would the world believe him. Your fair deeds, the constant tenor of your virtuous life, would triumph o'er the audacious tale. Cleone. Ah, Paulet, the sting of slander strikes her venom deep. An envious world with joy devours the tale that stains with infamy a spotless name. Yet what's the vain opinion of the world? To keep one voice, one single heart's esteem, is all my wish. If my Sifroy but think... Paulet, wound not your peace with vain ungrounded fears. My friend is noble, knows your virtues well. Nor will he suffer jealousy to shake his generous mind with doubt. And for that wretch, this arm shall give him chastisement. Cleone, ah, no! I fear the chastisement of Glanville's guilt may loose the tongue of censure on my innocence. And can I bear, now, in my husband's absence, the whispered falsehood of malicious tales that cast a doubt on his Cleone's truth? Oh, rather leave his punishment to heaven. At least defer it till my lord's return. Paulet. And shall the man I love return, and find a villain unchastised? who in my sight presumptuous dared to wound his honor, it must not, shall not be. Re-enter Glanville with Rogozin. Glanville. Mark me, young sir, tis with authority that I forbid your entrance in this house. 
Sifroy, convinced of all your secret crimes with that vile wanton, spurns from his door the falsehood he disdains. Cleone, let me not hear it. I, am I a wanton? Does my dear lord think his Cleone vile? Glanville, he knows it well. Paulet, villain, tis false. He scorns so mean a thought. Glanville, to silence every doubt, see his own hand. Paulet, showing the letter to Ragozin. Say, whence is this? Who brought it? Ragozin, I brought it from my master. Glanville, look upon it. Cleone and Paulet look over it. Cleone, am I then banished from my husband's house, branded with infamy? Was once his wife, unkind Sifroy, am I not still thy wife? Indeed thy faithful wife, and when thou knowest, as know thou wilt, how falsely I am accused, this cruel sentence sure will pierce thy heart. Paulet, amazement strikes me dumb. This impious scroll is forged. Sifroy, though rash, is noble, just, and good. Too good, too noble to permit so mean a thought to harbor in his breast. Cleone. No, tis his hand, his seal, and can I bear suspicion? Ah, Sifroy, didst thou not know my heart incapable? Paulet. Licentious wretch! At what fell mischief has thy malice aimed, Glanville? At thine and her detection, which at length I have accomplished. Paulet, Impudent and vain, think'st thou Cleone's virtue, her fair truth can suffer taint from thy unhallowed breath? Were they not proof but now against thy arts? Glanville, Mistaken man, to gain one personal proof of her incontinence, that feigned attempt was made, all other proof I had before, and why I failed, thou knowest, who in her private chamber close concealed, madest it imprudent she should then comply. Cleone, detested slanderer, I despise thy baseness, disdain reply, and trust in heaven's high hand to dash thy bold designs. Exit Cleone. Paulet, whispering, Observe me, sir, this insult on the honor of my friend must be chastised. At morning's earliest dawn in the close vale behind the castle's wall, prepare to meet me, armed. Glanville, be well assured, I will not fail. Exit Paulet. Yet stay, let prudence guide me. Courage, what is t "'Tis folly's boisterous rashness, and draws its owner into hourly dangers. "'I hold it safer he were met to-night. "'Thou seest, my Ragozin, we are embarked upon a troubled sea. "'Our safeties now depend on boldly stemming every wave "'that might o'erwhelm our hopes. "'Paulet must die. He's dangerous, and not only may defeat our enterprise, "'but bring our lives in hazard. Ragozin. Shall we not frustrate thus your first design, to make the law subservient to your aims against the life and fortunes of Sifroy? Glanville, leave that to me. Sifroy, full well I know, will soon arrive. Thou, in the gloom of night, shall cast a veil upon the deeds of men. Trace Paulet's steps, 
and in his bosom plunge thy dagger's point. Thus shall thy care prevent his future babbling, and to prove the deed upon Sephroy be mine. Rigozin. He dies this night. Glanville. Let thy first blow make sure his death, so shall no noise detect thee. Hither straight convey his corpse, which, secretly interred within the garden's bound, prevents discovery, till I shall spring the mine of their destruction. Rigozin. He shall not live an hour. Exit Rigozin. Glanville. Hence, hence, remorse! I must not, will not feel thy scorpion sting. Yet hell is in my breast, and all its fiends distract my resolutions. I am plunged in blood, and must wade through. No safety now, but on the farther shore. Come then, revenge, ambition come, and disappointed love. Be you, my dread companions. Steel, oh, steel my heart with triple firmness. Nerve my arm with tenfold strength, and guide it to achieve the deeds of terror which yourselves inspired. End of Act One Recording by Joshua Seeger in Chicago